All right, inappropriate Earl. You know, we're back to our one a week schedule. You know, we hit a run where we were doing like three or four in four days. Uh, but like I said before, you know, it's uh, it's hard to get people to come to my house, which is how I do it. Uh, I'm sure if I was mobile, it'd be uh, a little easier, and I'd have a few more uh, episodes for you guys. But uh, as of now, it is what it is. But uh, big news in the world of inappropriate Earl. We'll be getting an all-new uh, system to upload and download uh, you know going full full iMac uh so uh, MacBook Pro uh, new MacBook Pro came out today with the uh, I don't know some weird keyboard so hopefully it won't interfere with your porn viewing needs uh, you slobs uh just kidding guys just kidding uh so today we have a special guest he's a dude I've known for a long time uh comedy store paid regular and I don't think people really realize what a big deal that is uh and he was passed by mitzi shore with that that's an even bigger deal uh you know because mitzi is uh, still considered the guru of uh talent uh scouting uh you know and if you were passed by her you were good uh and you know, his name is on the wall along with mine but his uh name got put on a lot sooner than mine and he's gone through many transformations. Uh, I used to know this dude when he... You think some of my wardrobe choices were bad? Uh, you know, by my recent Facebook pictures and Instagram? Uh, this guy was the real deal. I mean, had a Jaguar with spinners on it. Had a Hummer. A, a you know, pearl white Hummer. He would get out of it. He was so fucking tan. He looked like Dikembe Mutombo. Uh, he had Van Dutch jeans on, uh, Ed Hardy. I mean, this guy's the real deal. So, uh, and he was on one of my favorite shows of all time. As you know, he was a sheriff on Sons of Anarchy. So put your hands together for the one, the only, the comedy stylings of comedy store favorite, Mr. Josh Nasser. Thank you very much, Inappropriate Earl, for having me on the show. Dude, always, always. Let me tell you what. So uh, I listened to your show. And uh, your voice, it's you would be an amazing therapist because your voice is low and calm and uh, it puts me at ease. And uh, the last thing you said, though, comedy store favorite, I wouldn't go with that for 100 percent. Well, you're a uh, controversial figure up there that uh, you probably rubbed uh, people the wrong way and you're... Uh uh van dutch jean wearing days by the way i had three pairs of van dutch jeans so basically i came out here uh mitzi passed me at the comedy store i was doing a lot of great things and then because of my insecurities i went out to the nightclubs and i started hooking up with girls trying to get as many girls as i could and that was basically uh all insecurity and my career dropped off. I had two TV shows on the air, worldwide TV shows on the air by the time I was 25 and then it all went away for the next 15 years, 14 years. Um, and, it's a tough business. Uh, not really. But it is though. I mean, you could be on top of the world. Uh, you could have multiple shows on the air and uh, literally uh, three months later, they could all be canceled. But that's not tough if you think about it. If you're solid with who you are and really like who you are, then it's all a bunch of shit. Then it doesn't matter. It's all nonsense. 
And now that I'm there, it's totally 100% fine. But I had to go out to clubs. I had to quote unquote, lose everything, have a big business and all this money and still not be happy. Uh, have people hate me at the comedy store. And then as I, uh, get older, I realize the people that hate me the most are the biggest assholes anyway. Like they literally are sad human beings. I'm going to turn this into a therapy session. Let's do it, buddy. Uh, well, I agree with you there. I think, uh, you know, I don't know who says this, but they said that you are the average of the five people you hang around with the most. And yeah. uh, so you got to feel sorry for that guy who's like 20th in the gangbang line. But there's... <laughs> There's just meanness. And uh, honestly, the great thing about the comedy store is when things are good, you go there. When things are bad, you go there. When things are average, you go there. And it's literally my favorite club on the planet to hang out at. It just, there's so many rooms. It's like a fun house. It's oh, it's a crazy uh, fun house. I, you know, I try to explain it on this podcast. I literally probably talked about the store on every single podcast I've done. I mean, the very first episode of this, it's an unaired episode because I didn't have a uh, certain cable plugged in <laughs> to the uh, mixer, was Jason Galern and uh, Jason Washington, yeah. who was a ex-door guy, got into porn. But until this episode, it's such a part of my life, and really every comic's life I've had on this show, either through roast battle, just stand-up. Uh, it, it's, it really, you know, I tell people it's like the bar in Star Wars. Yes. You know, you've got every unsavory character in the comedy world up there. And you've got some of the great characters. And you have, yeah, also savory. And the great thing about it is because there's three different rooms, there's three different vibes. So you have all the unsavory and savory characters. And there's different levels of that. You have the main room, you have the OR, you have the belly room, and you have the back patio now. And then you have the hidden VIP room. And it's literally a fun house. And there's been times when I've literally been at the my lowest of the low. And before I knew it, I was in my car at the comedy store. And uh, now I'm 45 years old and I know who to stay away from up there. And it's phenomenal. And now I just go back and forth from the improv to the comedy store and life could not be better right now. But you, uh, you know, unlike me for a while where the comedy store was probably the, the only thing I had going on, which was uh, before I was past there, you know, a lot of people didn't even know I was a comic. I was there so much not performing. Uh, you always have done things outside the store to keep your sanity. Like you've on Sons of Anarchy, uh, you uh, had your own show. Uh, so like a lot of people I find, they just sink all their eggs into the store basket, which I did for a very long time. And if they're not, it's great if you're getting spots. Uh, but I mean, I'm as well liked as you can be up there. Uh, not my comedy, but uh, I think, I don't think I have too many enemies up there except for one dude. Uh, and I was still bummed out because I, you know, I want to perform. But see, that's the thing. It's like, you are so well liked up there. Like, I want to know who the one guy is and what's wrong with him. Like, it's well, it involves, uh, in fairness to him, it involves uh, a girl and uh, he, mm. uh, you know, took, you know, we I ended up dating his ex-girlfriend, and uh, I think he was upset at that, but uh, they had been broken up for like a year. So uh, it's I all a bunch of shit. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I feel, uh, without mentioning names, uh, you know, I, I feel 
sad that he's like mad at me, but all I right. also, yeah, and I can understand why he's upset, but whatever. But I also understand I what I I'm not uh I'm not upset that I dated her because you know they didn't you know it's like if you told me uh if you told me right now hey Earl I'm dating say Gail uh, would I be happy about it probably not but I wouldn't be angry about it Earl I'm dating I'm dating Gail ah uh, well so but you know it's like we don't own um. We own nothing. It's all nonsense. Or like I had a, uh, this really doesn't have much to do with the comedy store per se, but uh, I had a super cool comic uh, text me the other day and just uh, about a certain ex-girlfriend and saying, hey, uh, just so you know, me and uh, so-and-so are just friends. Uh, and I'm like, dude, it's like, I don't own her. You know, like it's like ex-girlfriends, girlfriends, current ones in the future, they're not, they're not possessions. Well, I have something to tell you. I've been uh, every one of your ex-girlfriends, even if I don't like them, I try to date them. Ah, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, there's a few people up there. No, who no, have. No, no. I mean, uh, you know, because this is something, and, and this kind of gets us back into the store. Like, uh, I have found that with every girlfriend I've had who was a comic uh, at the store, it was like, oh, she's fucking Earl. She'll fuck me, you know, and then that's led to problems for me. Uh, in various uh with the you know certain people but uh you've dated a lot of girls and you know done all right at the store how has the store affected your love life um it really and i I go back to this the store has nothing to do with the improv laugh factory it's all a bunch of nonsense if you're solid as a person all those do is just add to it I was so upset before trying to hook up with so many people, trying to do so much. And uh, I didn't do drugs a lot, but doing drugs like small amount, you know, drinking or smoking weed or whatever. And then finally, I kind of just woke up and I was like, oh, I want to be happy. And all the problems, all the drama, all the nonsense I had before, it's all gone now. Except for four guys at the comedy store who I literally, when I walk by him, I just text them. I just text, excuse me. I act like I'm texting no matter, even if I'm not texting. So I've learned in this business. It's like being for oral. You'll get this. Any comedian will get this. If you're in front of a hundred people, right. And audience and two are not laughing. I don't even, I don't even pay attention to them anymore. But Move I on. used to, though. I used to, and not anymore. And my whole goal is to get up and out of the comedy store. What does that mean? You look at the guys that have really, really made it, like giving an example, Sebastian, somebody that I think is amazing. He comes back to the store, but he's not there all the time. He's right. out doing the road. He's doing theaters. He's doing crazy. Chris D'Elia, he, when he's in town, he's there. He made it. You know, whatever you think of his comedy, whatever, anything, anybody's comedy. Like, it doesn't matter. He's doing, he's making a living for his family. You know, it's great. But I think that's the key is in, uh, and I know comics who are like that at the improv. Uh, you know, they just sink their teeth into the improv. They don't go to the store. Uh, you know, they don't go to the Laugh Factory or uh, the Ice House or Hermosa. Uh, you know, and they just kind of, you got to spread your wings, man. I mean, as in as I am at the store now, I go to the other place. I, shit, I was, last night I was at Hooters in Hollywood and had a great time. Uh, you know, you gotta like spread your wings, man, or else you'll just, you know, the spots are so tight at the store now, as you know, it's amazing. I mean, to get a fallout is, is tough. Now fallouts for you guys not paying attention or for you guys who don't know what those are, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights after the last comic who's on the lineup, uh, is on, uh, there are, if there is time spots for guys like me and Josh to sign up if we're not on the lineup. And we get to go up for like eight minutes. Yeah, it's great. And you know what? I used to get up all the time when the old booker was there. 
Tommy. Tommy. Wow. We're going to get into him. Yeah. I used wow. to get up all the time. And now I don't get up at all. And Adam, the booker, Adam Egent, um, he goes, I'm not a fan of your comedy. Okay. That's great. He let me know where he stands. Not a fan of my comedy. I don't really care. Meaning that at least he's integrous. The old booker wasn't integrous. But I just have to be that much better. I mean, if you look at the lineups, it's Joe Rogan, David Spade, Chris D'Elia, Sebastian. Earl I don't have it. Earl Skakel. Earl Skakel. I don't have any of those credits that those guys have, and they're beasts on stage. So what am I going to complain for? I mean, I'll say this about Adam, and I would prefer him to be here. Just, you know, I don't like talking about people when they're not here, but like, and I tell people that all the time, and this is not me ass kissing. Uh, I mean, everyone knows me and Adam are friends, but it's not, you know, Adam's very like hardcore, like friend or foe, you know, there's a protocol at the store. So, uh, he's integrous. Does that make sense? He's honest. Like that's he, what it is. How he, can you get mad at a guy? He will tell you, uh, you know, yay or nay, but he'll tell it to your face. He will encourage you if, uh, you are his type male or female and, uh, you know, versus Tommy and I've had Tommy on Adam will be coming on, uh, sooner than later. But, you know, Tommy was like with me, the complete opposite. And, you know, and he said he was going to pass me on the podcast and I I don't think he ever was, Uh, but that's, you know, his word against mine, but he would encourage me. We'll come hang out. We'll put you up Sundays and Mondays. And a lot of times he would put the fucking guy in the green suit. Who's insane on ahead of me. And it's like, why my anger stemmed from, well, why encourage me? Why not be like Adam? Like, you know, with you because and Adam. Because bookers are cunts. But I mean, with you and Adam, and, and it it probably sucked for you to hear that. And you probably walked away, however you walked away, but at least you, like you just said, knew where you stood. Like, okay, maybe I'm not going to spend as much time here. Because it's why. Until I either am on a TV show or, or whatever. It's great. Honestly, the integrity that's at the comedy store now is amazing. Oh, I mean, it's, you know where you're at. You know, you know what's going on. You know the work you got to do. If you're in, you're in. If you're not, you're not. No big deal. I was lucky. I was passed by Mitzi. You know, that's an amazing accomplishment. When and, did that happen? Uh, Ahmed Ahmed recommended me in 2004. So it's been uh, 12 years right now that I've been passed there. And pretty much right after she passed me is when I went out to my douchebaggery and was, you know, going to nightclubs and all that kind of stuff. And just, I, I promoted the show there for six years in the belly room. So I thought, I thought promote, I thought, cause I didn't know any better. I thought promoting a show was the same thing as being as a comic, uh, which it is not. Um, and now I know like, for instance, going to the comedy store. Now I get more done. Like for instance, my writing partner, Josh Sandoval, who we've created TV shows and we're currently selling TV shows right now. I met at the comedy store, just hanging out. But because I, I didn't have a spot that night, I remember the night, I remember exactly where I met him. I was like, oh, hey, that's a good dude. He's a nice guy and absolutely brilliant. So the comedy store is where um, I get to see all my friends. It's kind of cool. I'm watching TV right now, and my friend Alex Curry is the voice of the Kings. Uh, full disclosure right now, I tried to get Josh to come at 10 p.m. Because of many, as many of you know, I'm a huge L.A. Kings fan. And I have the game on muted. I am listening to Josh completely while sending out tweets and Instagram. Uh, oh, here's a funny story. Uh, right now, they have the name Brant Myers uh, 
which is an amazing story, by the way. Brant Myers, uh, this, I've never done this This before. is on the TV screen right now, the name. Brant Myers, a uh, legendary NHL, tough guy. Uh, I have about 10 of his game-worn jerseys upstairs, and uh, he contacted me and wanted to buy one of his own jerseys from me, his last jersey uh, that he played in. And I, right now, uh, have not been able to sell it to him because it's like $700. And I told him that. He's like, you know, I don't think the players realize that, you know, you buy memorabilia costs the fans money. Would you would you sell it to him for what you bought it for? You know, I'm like, it's tough. Like I told and he's super nice and he gets it. But basically, the shirt he wants is the, his last shirt he ever wore. Right. He was knocked out in a preseason game against George LaRock, who at the time was the heavyweight champ. And uh, and George listens to this podcast. Wait, heavyweight champ of, of the what? NHL. He was the best fighter. It's not an official. I don't. Title. Can you explain? I know we're going off topic. Explain this to me. Okay, fighting is illegal in the NHL. No, it's not. Ill- well, back when Brant and uh, George LaRock were uh, in the league, it was uh, to a degree encouraged. Uh, in the seventies and eighties, it was uh, very. You know, you had teams that won the Stanley Cup based on uh, physical violence. But in the rule book. Is it illegal to fight in the NHL? No, it is not. Uh, it, it's uh, there's penalties for it, but it's uh, it's like holding in football. You know, I just I, they want kids to watch, and the kids go to the games and see these dudes pounding each other in the face. And that's the most uh, exciting part of the game. Like you, you know, you watch uh, outside of a goal. Um, you know, the fans are on their asses for the most part. But when a fight happens, even people who don't like fighting are standing going, kick his ass. Uh, it's a crazy sport. I like it a little bit, but it's crazy. I mean, the fighting is crazy. Well, uh, and by the way, Brant, I think you listen to this podcast. We'll work something out down the road. I, I just, I feel so bad. And I have a lot of uh, game-worn jerseys, and uh, I'm fairly known in the uh, hockey communities, uh, I've had players contact me. Hey, are you the guy in California who collects my jerseys? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, can I get my rookie jersey that you have? And I'm like, well, uh, yeah, but it was $1,000. And, you know. It's hard to ask a guy for his own jersey, for money for his own jersey, but you paid for it. But, I mean, technically, it's the team's jersey. It wasn't really I understand what you're saying. It's hard. And it's not like you don't have $100 million. Well, I wish, uh, but you know, I just feel bad for these guys. Like Brant's a super nice guy and, and what he does for the Kings is he's retired and he, um, he had, uh, addiction problems throughout most of his career, uh, which kind of ties back into comedy because being a hockey fighter is, um, it's very mentally, uh, taxing on your brain. Like, you know, every night it's your job to go and beat, beat up the biggest guy on their team. And two nights later, you got to beat up the other biggest guy in the, a new team. And, and so you, a lot of guys turn to drugs and alcohol. Brandt did. He's completely recovered. And now he uh, coaches the Kings, uh, younger players. And, hey, don't get, don't fuck up your life like I did. You know, it's, uh, you brought it back to comedy. There are a lot of people that I see at the comedy store and other places. And all they do is drugs and alcohol. And then you see why their career doesn't go anywhere. Like, this, this is business. This is 150% of business. I was telling you before that I've been creating TV shows and that's because I wake up early and I work on them and I'm not out till four or five in the morning drinking and using. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have your life together, man. And like, it's, uh, I think you realize, you know, like I'm starting to realize, yeah, this comedy's awesome. And, but unless you're on a, 
a level of like a Sebastian, a Delia, Russell Peters. You know, it's not necessarily a ton of money in stand up only. Last night I paid twenty dollars to park for Hooters. I lost twenty dollars playing Hooters last night. Yeah, and that's a lot of gigs. You and I could both. It's probably five podcasts we could fill up saying, "Well, I drove to San Diego for free." You know, I went on the road with you know some you know marginally known headliner, lost money. I on the regular have driven down to San Diego, done three shows up, and driven up in the same night, and lost money. But it doesn't matter because. I feel like now I'm finally, and this really comes to do with liking who I am. As I said before, I'm 45. Like, I like who I am. Like, if you don't like me, that sucks, but I don't really care. Like, I like who I am. So when I get in front of an audience now, I don't give a fuck what you think. I know what I'm good at. I know that I'm funny. And my comedy, I'm starting to find my voice after all these years. But that only came from me personally finding my voice. Yeah, I mean, you have to... uh you know, like I, I know you're friends with this guy on, on the gig last night at Hooters was Fung Chow. I love Ching Chong. Who has been on this couch. I think he's done two episodes, uh, one by himself and then one when we made him watch uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. And two minutes in, he was like, hey, yo, Earl, can I ask you a question? Are these chicks with dicks? And... uh so I love playing with Chung Fao, uh, and his name is Feng Chow. But Hi-ya. I encourage, like for instance, when I'm at the comedy store, the comedy store has so many fucking funny people that are so super talented. You got Avery Pearson. He's playing the piano. You got you in the back who can do all these different characters. You got Jason Tebow. You got uh, Feng Chow. And when I'm at the store and it's late night on a Monday, I say there's no rules. You can come on stage. You can come off. You can interrupt my jokes. You can interrupt me. You can take the stage away from me because I think it's hilarious when I'm talking and then Ching Chong goes, hey, Josh. And I go, what? And he goes, why are you bombing? And I go, that's not very nice to say. He goes, but I love pink vagina. And there's but, people laughing. But a lot of people don't like that, uh, you know, because you got to like, here's the thing at the store. It's all even heckling. It's all about timing. Like. You got to know, like, okay, is Josh trying to work on something? Because then I'll be quiet. Uh, like, sometimes when I'm up there, I'm actually, you know, I, it's my only spot of the week or whatever. So, I, you know, I, you know, it's late. It's like three people in the room, and, and some people start heckling me. And I, I'm like, guys, come on. It's my only, it's my only spot this week. Let me just- See, but I'm hustling and getting a lot of other spots are not the greatest places. But I feel like I'm getting my fill. So for me to be in a place where I have people who have so much talent and to not play with them seems like a waste. I mean, it really depends on, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but it's for me. There's sometimes like I know, you know, when I heckle Dave Taylor, sometimes I can tell when he's working on something. So I'll be quiet. But then other people be yelling shit at him. It's like you got to really I think heckling in the back of the comedy store which is encouraged usually, uh, like with Don, you know, everyone see me interact with Don, you know, I know when he's working on something like, okay, let him well, do Well, that's it. the thing is before I go up, Avery goes, hey, do you want me to jump in? I go, yes. Uh, Feng Chong says the same thing. So we talk about it before. Um, I think though, I need to show people in LA what I can do. Which um, is hard when you have me yelling out, suck it or... Right. But, I, but what, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting to is the fact that people uh, have equated me, I think, to like old Ed, Har- Ed Hardy Hummer guy. I need to let them know, oh, wow, this dude's turned into a good comic. They just need to see it because you can say it all you want. Seeing is believing. They need to see me go up, work my stuff, do my thing, 
Um, and I think that will help me as opposed to being more free form. Cause I go up right now with no plan, but I do that on purpose. And I think I've now quote unquote mastered that. And I want to be able to master both having a written set. Like I would love to try to do late night one time. That'd be great. You mean late night at the store or late no, night? I apologize. Late night TV. I think it'd be great. Why? Because it's a whole different, and I think it'd be a great podcast too, is it's a whole different uh, vibe, getting ready for a five minute set where every word means exactly, it's like a law document. Every single word means something. There's no extraneous words. You know, I've watched Fahim Anwar destroy when he did late night and I've seen him practice it over and over again. And he did that set over and over again to where he had it down every single word. And then he went on late night and did the same thing. Well, you have to, I mean, it's like you said it, perfectly there's you, there can't be one wasted word um you know i just watched jason galern's uh, tonight show set uh, when he was on when jay leno was hosting and there wasn't and now jason's a free form comic he i don't know if he necessarily at the store anyway goes on stage with you know he's got hundreds of jokes so he mixes and matches but you can't do that at the, uh, on TV. You have to have joke A, B, C, D, and you can't tell D where you would tell B. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, it, anyone has a chance to uh, just Google Jason Galern, G-I-L-L-E-A-R-N, Jason, uh, on the Tonight Show. And, you'll and by see- the way, Jason Tebow does a, an amazing Jason Galern. Right. Yeah, I that's mean, a, wait, it's... You know at the comedy store when people impersonate you, uh that you're popular like uh, i know jeff richards uh, does it's a, getting hot in here yeah, louis and but i, I mean, mean like i'm talking about like you know like jeff richards will imitate me perfectly he'll put my glasses on and he'll instantly get the diction and you know i i speak somewhat slowly or whatever it's amazing it's so uh, gentle his galern is out of this world uh, uh jason tebow has the best theo vaughn impression Ugh, um, and i don't know about this with you like there are people like okay by the way wait two things one i love that the new guys so there was a booker at the comedy store he was a bad human named tommy and you can impersonate him very well like uh stephen randolph and uh ching fao like they've never even met him but they impersonate him and they're just impersonating you impersonating him. Yeah. I mean, that's how multi-level the impressions can be at the comedy store Yeah, that you've got, you know, like people don't do Tommy impressions anymore. They do impressions of either me or Rick Ingram doing Tommy. It's amazing. Like Rick Ingram's awesome at uh, impersonating Tommy. He's amazing. Because not only does he have the voice, but he does like the Tommy lean, which (laughs) only people who knew Tommy, like Tommy, if he was talking to you, would kind of lean into you. And uh, Stuart Thompson has a good one too. Oh, Stuart. uh, Stuart Thompson is amazing. He's like uh, his Doc Willis. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, come on, man. Uh, the thing he, is, is I don't think I've had a normal conversation with Stuart Thompson in at least a year, because all I do is Tommy with him. Uh, Brant Tobler, Jeff Die. All I do is Brody Stevens. Right. Yes. Well, I Brody's can't. like probably the most uh, at the comedy store anyway. The number one impersonator. He's amazing. Uh, but that's so, why he's like probably the most popular comic up there. So let me ask you this. Are there people like for me, I think one of the reasons I'm a good host, like I host TV stuff is because I'm still that dork. Like I listen to your podcast. Like I don't know you, you know what I mean? Or I'll watch Sebastian or Brett Ernst, uh, Steve Byrne, Brian Callen, especially, you know, 
I watch them and I'm it's I'm not I'm not a comic watching them. I'm a fan. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So like, there, do you still have that? Do you still like other comedians that you're like, man, even if you're friends with them? I watch Jason Galern whenever I can. Um, Brody Stevens. Yes. Uh, Don Barris. I mean, I've seen Don literally six straight years. It never gets old for me. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, if I see, I mean, listen, I, I, like you said, at the comedy store now, it's everyone's good. The girl guys, um, you know, I love uh, Jeff Richards. I love watching him. I think Jeff's one of my favorite comics. Oh, I, I mean, Jeff's like, mean, I don't think people realize how talented he Los is. Los Angeles. Yeah, he does the music now. and. <laughs> but that shows, like, for instance, and he, he shared this with me. I don't think I'm speaking out of line. He's like, yeah. Uh, I said, what happened with you, you know, before in your career? He goes, I think I told the wrong person to fuck off. Pretty much. Like he said, you know, the career went down for him because he wasn't cool off stage. And I don't think I'm speaking out of line, but that's something that he said that I really took to heart because he's to me one of the most brilliant people and your offstage persona can really affect that. Oh my God. I mean, it's like, uh, what's well, like, you know, I'll give the example of, uh, me in uh, in roast battle, like, uh, you know, comedy central, you know, they, I think they, they love me, but they like, we can't really do the hater thing on TV. It's, it's, you know, it's just not, uh, I don't know. You know, we have things that are all called sponsors. Um, but and does everybody listening know what the hater thing was? Yeah. yeah. Was you. I mean, okay. Uh, yeah. If you've just seen roast battle and, uh, I always like to uh, plug it where I can cause it's, it's done so much for me. Uh, you know, you can, uh, Tuesday nights, you can go on Periscope and, uh, I think it's at roast battle or at the comedy store. Uh, you can watch it if you're not local. Um, and if you go on uh, Comedy Central, or I think it's cc.com, uh, they have all the episodes from Montreal and the, the lead in leading up to it called Road to Roast Battle. Uh, but when uh, they, and the, so I, uh, in the LA show, I'm the house heckler. You know, I just kind of yell out, uh, like Stadler and Waldorf kind of uh, You just yell out ridiculously inappropriate things and you harass everybody that's on stage yeah and uh, you know I, the audience everybody the judges uh, the negro wave uh, jeff ross and we all play with each other but uh i don't think comedy central thought it would you know tv you have time constraints and yep. you know it's just well what you know, we have to cut something. And uh, I love that Jeremiah Watkins is in the all Negro wave. I know. And he's literally the whitest. He's yeah. not only in it, he's the leader. Yeah. Uh, and so. he's like the whitest fucking guy on earth. Uh, but I think because I'm nice and easy to work with, someone from Comedy Central asked Jeff and Brian, well, can Earl roast? Like they still wanted me on the show. And it's for the sole reason of this guy's easy to work with. He's nice. Uh, and uh, they found out I could. I mean, there was a hundred other people they could have asked to roast over yeah. me. Certainly many more known people. And uh, even, uh, you know, on uh, the Rob Lowe roast recap, they flew me to New York to do a recap with Mike Lawrence. There's a hundred comics in New York they could have used. But because I'm nice, I don't cause any problems. I do my gig with a smile on my face. They spent a pretty good chunk of money flying me there, putting me up. Oh, that's amazing. You know, and I said, hey, I'll pay. For, I, I want to stay one extra day to uh, watch the roast battle in New York. I'll pay for my. And that was at the stand, right? Yeah. Man, you know who's great there? Patrick. 
Patrick Milligan is I the mean, best. What a nut. That's an example. Another example, like Adam or Jamie Flom down at the improv. Like they're just nice people. You know? Well, I mean, Patrick, you talk about Adam being like to your face. This is what it is. Patrick is, uh, you know, uh, he'll, he's the same way. And the fact that, you know, he's a, uh, well, I won't say what his job is on, on the air. I don't know if he likes uh, people telling that, but he has a job uh, in the daytime where uh, it's a job where you don't fuck around. I don't even know that. So oh, I'm going to have to hear what this is, but I didn't see. That's but he's, cool. you know, he uh, like keeps it real and, uh, you know, I'm, he gave me my first spot ever uh, in New York a couple, uh, about a month and a half ago. And, you know, he didn't, we knew, we've known each other for 10 years through the, ho he collects hockey jerseys too. So that's how we knew each other. But he put me on, you know, the number one club in New York. Feels kind of like child porn. And I don't know why I said that. What, the comedy in New York or hockey jerseys? <laughs> <laughs> that you both collect hockey, uh, hockey jerseys. Well, it's uh, just uh, it's a very weird thing to me. Well, Bill Burr was a little freaked out about it. Like he's a huge hockey guy. Uh -huh. And uh, he was a guest on the Willie Hunter show when uh, I was the co-host or uh, not co-host, but the uh, sidekick. And uh, I had a Dennis Bonby jersey on Dennis Bonby, minor league legend, uh, all time penalty minute leader in the minors. And uh, I actually did a few jersey trades with him. Because he called me and said, hey, are you the guy in California who collects my jerseys? Well, oh. What do you have? I'm like, well, Mr. Bondi, here's 20 shirts I have of yours. He's like, well, if I sent you one of mine, can you send me the... I had his first... I had the jersey he wore in the NHL when he had his first goal. Let uh, me ask you this. Uh, you've gotten away from wearing the jerseys on stage yeah. now. But uh, Bill Burr... Oh, yeah. As we're on stage... He looks at me and goes, oh, you like hockey? I'm like, uh, yeah, well, it's a game-worn jersey of Dennis Bonby. And Bill Burr was like, so let me get this straight. You bought Dennis Bonby's game-worn jersey. And I could tell he wasn't really like excited about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just a big fan. I like getting his aura. And he's like, that's fucking creepy, bro. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've never – that's probably the only time I've ever wanted to be – get off stage uh, like even when i'm bombing i will plow through something i love that and uh i was like oh geez i don't think bill's a fan of mine and i just decided to blur it out hey bill you, you think rick flair was ever on any cocaine in his promos and he looked at me and goes why the fuck would you say that i'm like oh boy i'm like i just literally started sweating going and then i got him back i think i did a stupid joke he liked and uh you know so uh, i don't wear hockey jerseys anymore because, uh, you know, long story short, this podcast is about you, not me. Uh, but uh, I was... Sorry. No, no, it's all good. I'm it's, very interested about you, too. Well, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate that. I'm more interested in you. But uh, right. long, long story short, I was doing a pilot at the comedy store, actually. Barry Katz. It was called One Night Stand Up. Great idea for a show. I still wish it would have aired, even though I bombed. Uh and I had a New York Rangers jersey on. Whitney Cummings is hosting. Mm. I hear Whitney calling my name. I'm literally stepping on the sidestep of the main stage. Barry Katz grabs me by the jersey and goes, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I'm next. He's like, I know that, but you can't wear that, the jersey. He's got a handful of it. I'm like, why not? Uh, he's, it's my thing. It's my gimmick. And he's like, the logo, you fucking dummy. And so I just literally threw my jersey off and I had the worst looking affliction shirt on <laughs> like that was the weird thing he wouldn't let me go on stage in a rangers jersey but i could wear an affliction jersey yeah, he wasn't worried about, yeah getting sued by them affliction shirt and uh 
And then I just bombed uh, for 10 minutes. I mean, literally, I've never had a worse set of my it's life. It's amazing. I but, love I love watching. Like, I know you're funny. I can't get enough of watching my friends bomb. Well, there's a... I a, love it's, it. It's almost like roast battle where it's like, it's awesome when the battles are great. Yeah. But it's almost even better when they're not. It's know, amazing. Because like a lot of people, uh, you know, some of their favorite moments of roast battle in Montreal weren't... You know, me against Sarah Tiana or Mike Lawrence against, uh, you know, Kay Trevor uh, Wilson or, you know, uh, there were some great battles. Olivia Grace against Kay Trevor was a great battle. Uh, probably the most talked about moment is Ralphie Mays battle against Mike Lawrence. when Dude, he got and Ralphie up and he's a beast on Ralphie stage. is probably the number one touring comic in the country. Uh, so, so awesome. His uh, comedy ability is second to none. And, uh, you know, his comedy uh, career is, you know, four platinum albums. I mean, just his stand-up resume is unlike anyone else. And he's into cars and I host a car show. Right. So we're going to get into that. I feel cool because I know him. So. But, you know, Sorry. roast battle isn't necessarily uh, uh, doesn't really help you if you're a great stand-up. You know, it's uh, it's a completely different type of muscle. And, uh, you know, Ralphie maybe didn't have the greatest battle against Mike Lawrence, but it was such a train wreck <laughs> that it was like you getting back to saying, I like watching people bomb. I think people loved watching a train wreck. But I... It's not that, that kind of bombing. It's not what I love. I love it when it's a whole room and you're stuck on stage alone. I mean, even more like that was two people on stage. I just love it when nobody's laughing and there's one comic on stage and I love asking questions. I love going, excuse me, excuse me. A quick question from the back. Just a civilian. It helps. Yeah. It helps yeah, you yeah. out. Not you, but like, yeah, the comic, you know, like when you or Barris or, uh, Feng Chow, you know, uh, you know, that's the thing that people don't realize is that when people are asking the comic on stage questions, it's in a weird way, it's a sign of respect. Totally. Like uh, if someone's bombing on stage that isn't liked, it's complete silence in the room. No know. one wants to help them. Out. I was that guy for a long, long time. Well, I think to me back then when you were that guy and uh, my favorite television show, and I've had a lot of the cast members on, is Vanderpump Rules. I mm -hmm. Really? Literally cannot get enough of that. I show. don't get it. But watching that show, I thought, wow. And I'm friends with the whole cast now. Some more than others. Like Jax is like the best. Jax Taylor is like amazing. Uh, Kristen Dode, unbelievable. Uh, Tom Schwartz and his lovely wife. Uh, you know, but Vanderpump, you like Vanderpump rules, but watching that show on TV before I met any of them, I'm like, wow, these guys and girls seem like the biggest bunch of douchebags. They, they're all fucking each other. They all drink. They all, it's like, you think it's fake drama. And after meeting them at a show, thank you, Jacqueline Marfuji, Annabelle DeSisto. By the way, I love Annabelle. Annabelle is the best. Uh, <laughs> She's ridiculous. I mean, I was like, <laughs> these are the nicest people I've ever met. Like, Jax could not have been any nicer. So I think a lot of people, if they took the time to get to know you, it's the same thing. Like, on the surface, you were super, super tan. You had the gaudy clothing. And people just don't judge a book by its cover. Like, wow, this guy looks like a dick. But you can't be any nicer. 
That was the thing. Everybody, they picked on me. They outwardly picked on me. And I still see them there at the comedy store today. They're now, do lucky. you want to mention names? Or I usually try and avoid... Uh, I have no problem with mentioning... But you're the real deal. So, like, who do you try and avoid? I avoid Nick Youssef. I avoid Don Barris. I avoid Tony Hinchcliffe. Uh, David Taylor. Um... Dane Cook is somebody else I avoid. He's not at the store too much, though. No, no. I'm just saying people that I avoid in general. Right. Nothing towards them. I Honestly, I have no judgment. I have none. If there was a different situation, they would have their head thrown through a wall. Like, that's, that's back how, in your roid days. No, no. That's now. Like, I don't like certain people. And that's nothing negative. It's, it's not bad. Maybe it's me. I don't know. I just know for me, they don't like me. So what am I going to be nice to them? You know? They don't like me. Okay. Sorry. They don't but like me. That's like, okay. It's like it's we okay. were Whatever. talking about. Yeah. Like, uh, you can't. Um, and I accept the responsibility. Let's just say it's my fault. I don't care. There's no right or wrong. But a lot of people can't, uh, you know, get along. And, you know, we're all uh, trying for the same thing. But the great thing about every person you've mentioned is you're not going into any auditions they're going on and vice versa. Uh, so it's like. You know, you know uh, the great thing about them is they're literally trying to do the same thing I'm doing. They're out here, I assume, trying to make it in whatever profession they're trying to do, right? Comedy or hosting or acting or whatever. So I'm not going to take away from them. I'll never block them for a job. I'll never speak ill will about them. I just say they're not bad. They're not for me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I, mean, I don't care. And honestly, if I saw them and they say hi to me, I would not say a word. I just ignore them. It's literally like nobody's there. And that's just what works for me. Well, you have to just, uh, you kind of have to be, you know, when you don't get along with certain people or, you know, certain comedy clubs, you know, you know, you just gotta, like you do, avoid them and, and concentrate on the people who do like you. Yeah. There's so many other people that I get along with. And honestly, I, I always think this too, like, and in this business too, People go, oh, that guy's a jerk or whatever. No, it's probably part of me. And I know what it comes down to because I've done enough therapy. I've done enough 12-step work on codependence and, you know, love addiction and all that. I know what it comes down to. Oh, they remind me of my stepdad. That's literally how silly it is. You know, that person is mean to me or talks down to me and it reminds me of that. Has nothing to do with them. So moving on, you know. Well, I mean, the comedy store, probably unlike all the other clubs we've mentioned, is... Uh so to a degree clicky, you know, you've got the cool kids, you've got the misfits, you've got uh, the ones who I, you know, I would say I'm in probably the in-between group where I uh, can go amongst the groups and, uh, you know, uh, survive or whatever. Uh, but it's, there's definitely uh, certain groups that don't get along with the others, you know, and, uh, you know, like you've got the uh, show up, go up uh show yeah. on Sunday nights where you've got a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, misfit toys and comedy uh, up there. And, you know, you wouldn't see like, I don't know, some of the hipper comics go into that show because it's like, I'm, I'm better than this show. But that's the key is just keep it moving. Yeah. Just like, don't honestly, go that I just show. don't care. Uh, not even that show, but I'm saying in general, I no. don't care enough to get involved with it. So but, if, if it's a comic that I don't get along with comes up to me, I'm not going to even engage. It's literally... Totally not, not in my realm. Yeah, know? I mean, I wasn't, uh, I was just using show up, go yeah. up as an example. I, I wasn't, you know. Uh, no, you were bagging on it. Well, I mean. No, it's, I'm, joking, uh, I'm joking, joking. You know, it's, 
an interesting format. You know, it's it's uh, kind of a participatory uh, open mic where it encourages uh, audience uh, reaction and stuff. Uh, it's a great place if you're doing a roast battle to run your roast jokes. It's great. It's uh, perfect. It, every stage is good. Yeah, I mean, uh, you get what you get out of things. You know, it's that's one thing too. Like for me, um, I never worry about the audience and those kind of shows. Like. For instance, if I have a joke, let's say I get a five minute set, it's two and a half minute joke. I'll do the joke and I'll literally start that joke over and do it again. If I'm just trying to run it and I picture it, uh, you know, Mike Young, there's fighting, you know, Mike Young, he's a boxer, right? Mike Young, the comic. Yeah. Mike Young, the comic. Um, I don't know why I just thought of him, but he's a boxer. It's like when you're hitting the bag and stuff, it's all about timing. Right. You know? So for me, I'm just running a joke just to get the words out of my mouth, get the timing, so that's just how my brain works that I, in those situations where it's not a real audience, I just want to go over it again. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, that's in comedy or, you know, really, uh, where that, uh, comes into play a lot for people is, is roast battle. Cause you know, especially in that show, if you fumble your joke, you're done. Oh, uh, I know. You know, I fumbled a joke on TV against Jimmy Carr and it almost cost me the battle, you know, and it was one, I meant to say movements and I said moments. And it completely, you can't get any closer in the English language in those two words. And, uh, but it was my first time doing the joke. So, uh, you know, yeah, you got to, uh, open mics can, you, you know, like last night at Hooters, uh, I did, I think half my 12 minute set was new jokes. And it's just, I, I, in Hooters, it's actually a really good room. Stephen Hollerman books it, right? Stephen Hollerman. Nicest guy. You can't get, get any nicer than him. I mean, that is ridiculously nice. And, uh. You know, it's it's actually a pretty good room. Uh, it's upstairs, so it's, you know, you don't hear a lot of the bar noise or, you know, uh, they turn off all the TVs and stuff. So, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, it's a very uh, New York type of room where, uh, you know, New York, my God, there's so many rooms you could do that are not comedy club related. But that's the thing is that I believe every single room gets you ready for the big stage, whatever that is. Oh, I, uh, every I agree. Every room, whether it's a bar show uh, you know, in the back of a barber shop, it literally, it does everywhere you perform, you I know, mean, you gotta be hungry and you gotta like, uh, I'm definitely that because, and I don't like to use the word wasted because I took so many years to figure out what comedy, what it takes to make it in comedy, the de dedication and the humbleness and all that stuff, uh, that I try to use every opportunity. You because, have to, but I didn't know that before. I didn't know any of that before. I, I used to engage with people and this and that. Now I'm like, what am I, what do I care? Well, I think as you get older, like I'm 48. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, talk about you being 45. I mean, as you get older, you realize it's like uh, time is uh, of the essence. Yeah. You know, when you're 25 fucking around an open mic, you're like, I'm 25. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think the older you are, you realize that the stage time is even more valuable than than it's ever been for you. Yeah. Uh, especially considering it's for the most part a young person's game. Uh, but the great thing about stand-up is if you're an older comic and you're funny, you will make it in some capacity. Like Rodney Dangerfield didn't make it till he was basically 50. Joan Rivers said, if you're funny enough, people will gather around your deathbed. A absolutely. Uh, so. Uh, and that's the key. That reminds me of the great Roger Rod, uh, who's one of my dear friends in comedy. We, we, there was a comic, you knew him, Fat James, Fat James yeah. Price. Uh, Fat James Price, uh, the only guy to get bone cancer and get fatter. Uh, I mean, he was, uh, we all loved him. 
slightly a- annoying, but he, he on I went to see him the last three days on Earth. Uh, he was at the hospital, and uh, you know we all knew he was going that third day. It was it was pretty bad. Uh, and there's probably about twenty people around this bed and roger rod said you couldn't draw this many people when you were alive it's amazing and just like typical you know comics always looking for a joke uh, i love it even in the literally our friend is dying of bone cancer in front of us did he laugh oh well he at that point was uh basically no longer with us uh you know like the when i saw him the first day he was his eyes were open but he would wiggle his toes like yeah. acknowledging us and then uh you know each day get a little worse but uh yeah it's weird at the, as as it's just a human the older you get you start losing people that you literally hung out with all the time oh yeah you know I mean, and you realize that literally every stage is valuable everything is valuable because dude he was up and around and he was overweight but he was up boom that's it gone cancer see ya yeah, I mean, I've probably lost, uh, let me see. I mean, I've been doing comedy since basically late 99, uh, early 2000, uh, maybe seven or eight comics, mostly through suicide. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I play uh, in this ball hockey league in uh, Garden Grove uh, Sundays. If you go on uh, SoCalStreetHockey.com, you look at the uh, scoring uh, statistics for the last 10 years, you'll see Skakel at the top on a lot of seasons. You're so proud of yourself right now. But I've probably, from that league, lost maybe 10 people. Yeah. Uh, that are my age or younger. Yep. Life is short, man. Uh, That's why when you come out of if you're listening to this, I don't, know who, I don't know how far the reach is, but come out here, be humble, shut up, and prove it on stage. And I, literally go up every mic. Yeah, you have to, uh, you know, like you said, get the wording of a joke out. You know, I mean, I used to go to the Liquid Zoo Wednesday nights. You can't find a shittier room than the Liquid Zoo. But I got a lot of value out of that room. Uh, In my early years in comedy and uh, when I used to host, uh, I think, McRed's in the Valley, which is now a Walgreens, uh, which is another thing. We lose a lot of people in comedy in life you know as you get older you you know it's just part of life but you also a lot of places i did stand up in are no longer there yeah there's a lot of places that are gone busby's was a place yeah and uh, the coconut teaser on yeah. monday nights which is where guns and roses played rat yeah warrant poison uh they used to have a monday night open mic that was awesome i would go there with christy miller the great legend of Christy Miller. Uh, uh, yeah, I had sex with Christy Miller. Well, well, uh, I, I, I'll defer that story till when you both can come and talk about it. I can tell you, she's awesome. Uh, Christy Miller is like, uh, she is in New York now, and if you're in New York, please go see Christy Miller. Can I tell you something? Uh, that was the first uh, girl that I really saw on stage, and to me, see, I like her comedy because she was in your face. She's like a, and I mean this uh, in a good way towards dice and christy she was like a female dice yeah and i thought it was great like thought it was amazing wear skin tight leather pants great body gave no fucks yeah she was a little bit like fung chow like yeah uh, you know last night at hooters fung chow uh there was this audience member who i wouldn't say was heckling him but was like she just wanted him to acknowledge her. Like she was, yeah. in, she was loving Feng Chao and Feng Chao was just like, shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> you don't go to the movie theater across the street and start talking to the screen, you dumb bitch. <laughs> and she loved it. And she was with like this huge dude. And the dude loved it. Now, that's something that I wouldn't have done. Oh, that's amazing. I wouldn't Chung have Chung. had the balls I to do that. I love Feng Chao. He's oh, such he's a best. good human. Uh, so, you know, Christy uh, is awesome. and But that's we used to do that show every Monday night. Uh, that's gone. I mean, uh, McRed's, which I hosted on Tuesday nights. There's a Walgreens now, a Hotwired Cafe, and Valley Village is, uh, I think it's uh, like a Italian restaurant now. I mean, it's... I learned there's a lot of ways into this stand-up game. Oh, Literally, yeah. doing those mics, getting on TV, writing screenplays. I mean, look at Judd Apatow. Perfect example, right? He was doing stand-up, and then, I don't know if he was doing it, you know, together but started doing the uh screenplays boom 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 and now he's headlining places along with his producing whatever i mean it's just there's so many ways in yeah you really it. have no excuses in this business i think so and nowadays it's even easier to do your own thing and make it you don't you almost to a certain point don't need a manager or an agent like you know, with YouTube and unfortunately Vine just got uh, deleted permanently today. Uh, but, you know, you had Vine stars uh, who made, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't call her a friend, but this one girl I know uh, got paid $10,000 if you wanted to be, if you wanted her to be in your Vine video. Uh, I don't know what uh, she's going to do now, but. I uh, know uh, uh, my friend uh, Brittany was probably making millions yeah, um, I mean, because but, she had so many followers. But if you think about it mathematically, a commercial what costs in between three and five hundred thousand on network TV. Yeah, yeah. so you pay somebody, uh, one of these big viners who has five or ten million people. You pay him forty or fifty grand. They reach more people, and the person gets to see over and over and over again. Yeah, why I mean, wouldn't they pay that person forty or fifty grand? And they don't have to do anything. But yeah, it's six seconds. I mean, uh, I, I was never really a big vine person, but you then you take someone like Brittany who. Uh, I think had dabbled in stand up and and you know uh you know was uh, had varying degrees of uh success uh I don't know if she was uh serious enough about it but she likes doing characters and stuff right like but that's she her thing. killed it on uh Vine I mean, and she's still killing it on Instagram and all these videos Oh yeah like I they're mean, still making money And like Whitney Rice uh she's a killer on YouTube and Instagram uh I mean, she got signed to the biggest agency in town because they saw her just cranking out video after video. And, and some of them didn't have like tons of views, like 2,500 views, but they were all good. I just wrote her into a show that I'm creating Dude, because of her videos that she, I watch. I watch every one of them. She is amazing. Yeah. Um, and Dude. like, you know, Olivia Grace is a, a cartoon she did on her own and now it's getting some love. Uh, it's just a showcase. That's all it is. Well, all I mean, it is, you know, yeah. I mean, because, you, you know, nowadays you, you don't even need to get a a CD or a DVD of your comedy to an agent. You just send them a YouTube link. I mean, they click on it and within 30 seconds they could make your career. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, I think, how, uh, you know, I, to a degree, got on this Showtime show I'm on now is they, someone had asked about me. <gasps> You're on that show? I can't, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to really say what it is. Whatever so. it is, it's amazing. It's a great show on Showtime that's uh, comedy related and it's, uh, it's going to be an awesome show. But I think one of uh, the producers has seen me on Roast Battle. 
and he asked someone about me, they literally sent him a YouTube video of my comedy. Bam. So it's, you know, and, and that's what a lot of people do with podcasts. I mean, hopefully this podcast uh, at some point will, you know. Uh, I listen to it. Yeah, but I mean, like, all it takes is for you, maybe maybe you're, uh, you do something with Netflix or Comedy Central or whoever, and, you know, uh, they ask you in a random conversation, hey, uh, what podcast are you listening to? Oh, my friend Earl's. Oh, well, let's call him in. Maybe we could turn the podcast into a late night talk show or whatever. But that goes back to us talking about being cool off stage. Oh, if absolutely. If you're cool off stage, then I would have no reason other than to say, oh my God, this podcast. And then I would follow it up with, oh my God, he's great. And this, and we went out this one time and we had this and that. And then you have all these things to back it up. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, uh, it's like going back to Comedy Central for a second. Like, am I the best roaster they know? Probably not. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, for that Mike Lawrence, Rob Lowe uh, recap, there's literally probably a hundred New York comics that wouldn't, they wouldn't have had to fly out. They wouldn't have had to put up. I mean, no, let's get Earl. We like, you know, he's easy to work with. Well, and even on the the Showtime show, uh, am I the best actor they know? Definitely not. Am I the best comic with the comics they're using? I There's a hundred comics funnier than me they could have used, but because I show up with a smile on my face. Also, you set yourself apart. And this is something I noticed about the social media. Like... I don't know where it came from, but you call yourself daddy, big daddy, and you wear the leather pants. And that is hilarious to me. It's, it's like a world wrestling federation. I still say WWF, even though I know. it's WWE. Watch out. Uh, they'll sue you. Well, um, but, uh, <laughs> but just calling yourself big daddy and uh, the leather pants and coming out with no shirt on. I mean, I have very fond memories of you naked on the OR stage tucking your penis between your legs and coming out like you are uh wait why did the movie just hello Clarice uh silence of the yeah, lamp silence of the lamp so just setting yourself apart being totally unique and different well there yeah i mean uh i, I mean at the end of the day you know in, in terms of at least roast battle like you know the jokes have to be there you can have the wildest entrance of all time but right uh, like a lot i think this is the first time i've ever said this Flying up to Montreal, I had upgraded to first class because I just love flying first class. That's it's, amazing. It's just the fucking best. Uh, and just as fate would have it, I was right next to one of the producers, and uh, you know we pulled up the brackets, and you know, I, you know, you know, every roaster there was Jesus. great. And uh, I said, "Listen, man, can I run an idea by you?" And uh, he's like, "Yeah, yeah. What do you got?" I'm like, "Well, listen, uh, if I get to the live finale." Not the quarterfinals, but the live, the final. I want to come out naked as Buffalo Bill. Is that doable? And he said, yeah, we can just blur it out if it pops out. And that was my plan if I was going to face Mike Lawrence or whoever was, you know, right. Sarah, if she was, uh, you know, the the last fi final person. Or Who was in the Trevor. final final again? I know Mike Lawrence, obviously. Uh, Mike Lawrence against uh, Sarah Tiana. Yeah. And uh, then I uh, battled uh, K. Trevor Wilson, the Canadian legend. Uh, for third place, basically, and uh, but if I was going for the belt, the title, yeah, I was gonna come out to the Buffalo Bill music. Can you come back again? Uh, well, they, they um, I, I know uh, something's going on uh, where I think they're uh, gonna have new people on it. And Great, then, uh, but this, you know, if Yo Mama went six seasons, and nothing against Yo Mama, uh, you know, uh, I think Roast Battle could go 
infinitely further because well, it's it's a more creative. You know, you can. There's only so many yo mama jokes you can do. Well, and think about this too. As I said, I've been out pitching TV shows, and I learned that it's keep it simple, stupid kiss. Like keep it simple. Two guys battle each other. No fists are thrown. And they say rude things to each other. I mean, that's obviously the the worst log line of it, but that's what it is. It's so simple, but yet so much goes on. Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's um, it's competitive, you know. So it's it's mean spirited, and you know, you're trying. See, I'm too. I can't do. I can't do it. I mean, I'm. It's too uh, much for me. I'm as sensitive as you can get, and I, you know, you just have to. Uh, like it's a little different on the TV show because the odds are you might be paired up against someone you don't necessarily know or like, um, you know, like say uh, Tony Hinchcliffe and Mark Normand. I, I don't. Oh, they don't get along. Um, I don't know what their deal is, but you could tell maybe they're they're either they don't know each other, so it was uncomfortable, or they just don't like each other. Uh, <laughs> but then I was lucky enough where everyone I battled, I loved like Tom yeah. Ballard. The gay Australian comic, he's awesome. Uh, Jimmy Carr, the champ, he's, yeah, he's a awesome. legend. Uh, Sarah Tiana is like, I love Sarah. What a love muffin that person oh, is. Oh, she's just the best. And yeah. then uh, K. Trevor Wilson is like, you you can't find a nicer guy than him. Like, he's just like this huge Canadian bear and super funny. And, you know, uh, so, but in L.A., you have a little bit of control over who you battle. And like, I won't battle someone I don't like. You won't? No. I mean, I'll battle my friends. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I've battled uh, girls I've dated. Jeez. Uh, that's a big mistake. But, uh, you know, because uh, it's a sign of respect. If it's I someone love. you don't like, if it's that, if I ever roasted the guy who uh, doesn't like me, it would just be us shitting on each other. <laughs> and it's just like, well, that's not, it's not a, that's not fun for me. So maybe yeah. it would be for him. But. You know, what's really fun for me to watch too. I'll just use an example is uh, Brian Moses, uncle Moses. Oh, he's the best. Because I watched him come up here from San Diego and I watched his transformation into becoming a superstar. I mean, he's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a host. He can host anything. So I like watching people start from nothing and bounce up, Oh, you know, it, and I'm proud of the stuff that I've done too. Well, let's get into that because we got a little, you know, we just, uh, as you can tell, I don't really plan questions on this. Uh, now, you're uh, hosting uh, shows and, and pitching shows. Uh, you've got something big in the works uh, right now. I don't know if you can talk about it, uh, but. I pitched a show. Uh, I pitch shows. I currently have five under contract, uh, two with networks, three with production companies. Um, and I started, I did door to door sales for 20 years, high impulse buy. I sold frozen food, like Omaha steaks, the Schwann man. I knocked on doors. Hey, sorry to buy the wholesale steak, seafood and chicken. I know you guys eat food. Hold on. I'll show you what I got. So I had to take from, from zero to purchasing from me and I've sold to big celebrities and I've had guns pulled on me. So I've done it all. I mean, it's just was literally all over the country. I've done it. Why um, did you have a gun pulled on you? Oh, it, I was selling in the hood. You know, you knock on a door. You know, all of a sudden a gun's in your face, you know? So that's all like, that's why when there, there was a shooting, uh, you know, over at the uh, comedy store, it didn't bother me. Like I, I, the guy died in my arms and I was like, all right, keep it moving. Like it just didn't bother me that much. I don't well, know why. Because I think we're immune to uh, emotions. After. How long have you been doing stand up? Um, 
and, and, and doing it in the form that I do it now, it will be six years, November 16th. That's the day that my ex-fiance dumped me, and I consider that's when I really started. Um, but overall, for 20 years. So, I mean, 20 years, I'm 16 years in. I mean, so 16 years and 20, basically the same time. Yeah. Uh, you become almost emotionless. Like That's when that guy died. I, I went home. I woke up. My roommate at the time was Dana Moon, fellow comedian. And I go, I don't, I don't feel anything. And she goes, I don't know. And, and, and then uh, the comedy store was so nice. They paid for me to go to a therapist. I went to a therapist once and I said to him, I go, I don't know. I don't feel anything. He goes, sometimes people don't. Sometimes people come back from war and they just don't, it doesn't affect them. And he goes, you're one of those people. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, but like, you know, I've known a few comics who've committed suicide and like, you're sad for a day and, and then you're like, all right, well, I got a show tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you just keep moving on. It's like, it's crazy, uh, to, uh, be that emotionless. Uh, do you know who's on third? Uh, Bud Abbott, Lou Costello. Yeah, yeah. So Lou Costello, uh, I believe, um, his granddaughter was my manager. She's a hosting teacher out here, very well-known hosting teacher, Marky Costello. She always says a story about uh, her grandpa, uh, his only son, in an Italian family. That's a big thing. But his only son had drowned in a pool. And that was the night that he was doing uh, Who's on First, What's on Second, the, record, the live recording uh, that everybody knows today. But right. he put his emotions aside and went and did the show. And at the end, uh, Bud Abbott said, by the way, you know, this was a rough time and blah, 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 blah. So once I heard her say that, I go, oh, there's no excuse. I have to go on stage no matter what. Um, yeah, I mean, it's and just it, like. Yeah, it's, uh, it is what it is. That's what we do. And I love it. I love the stand-up uh, aspect. Um, I love the pitching shows. It's fun for me. Um, as I said, I have five under contract uh, and another six on my slate. And the great thing is I really find it easy because there's so many talented people is I just find a super talented person, somebody who's so ridiculous off the chain. And, uh, I create a show around them. I helped create a show around them with some amazing people. Uh, I said my producing partner for most of my shows is a guy named Josh Sandoval, who, uh, was one of the producers of America's Got Talent. He just produced 60 comics for Montreal and the guy's just brilliant. He knows what networks think. So I kind of put things together and bring them to him or, uh, you know, I work with, uh, I, I work with really great people who are smart. Well, that's uh, the key. You gotta like, yeah. like you, obviously you have access to the comics and the actors and the models yeah. and, uh, you know, he's probably been a showrunner, a producer, yeah. like, you know, and that's where the money's at is create, you know, Rob Schneider's, he gave me awesome advice. He, I think he said Steve Martin gave it to him. He's like, create your own stuff, you know, and be so good they can't deny you. And it's true. Like Whitney Cummings is like the ultimate example of that. Dude, I don't even think she showed up to Two Broke Girls. Like she wrote the show and and got all the credit, but she she literally was a creator, executive producer. I don't even think she had, when it started running, once it started going, it just ran and she got checks. I don't know if that's true, but that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, uh, knowing her, I would say she probably was there. Like she's hands-on, like... Uh, but that's why she's got like, you know, three fucking shows on the air and like, uh, quick story about her. Cause we both, uh, you go to Equinox. I used to go to Equinox when she was there. I would see her before she really blew up right. and she was on the treadmill, not once, but every single day. And she was writing on the treadmill, writing, 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 writing. So she's one of the people I use an example. I go, that's what it takes. Oh yeah. That girl yeah. was no nonsense, took care of her stuff, wrote shows, created shows. 
some that's why I was saying that she didn't need to show up, meaning that she wasn't an actress on it. That's what I'm saying. Like she she's a producer on a creator, but she's not an actress on it. That's what I mean by not showing up. Like she doesn't have to be there for the show to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean by that. I mean, I've told, uh, you know, I used to do open mics with her and like semi good booked rooms, you know, when you're just kind of starting to break out of open mics. And, uh, you know, at, when the open mic would be over, we'd all go to Mel's or Norm's or, you know, uh, if it was in the valley, we'd go to Jerry's uh and uh, she'd go home and write yeah know? and the same thing with whitney whitney rice uh you know we'd do a show together and i'd be hey let's go to the comedy store let's go to uh let's go to late night eat and swingers and bullshit and uh she'd go home and make a video that's amazing like, literally I make a it. video at two in the morning and by eight it would be edited and out yeah it's great and that and then work on another one that day well that's what i love about this business like i'm creating shows but i'm also hosting a tv show and i acted on one there's enough time to do literally everything if you have no drama in your life you can literally act on one host on one kevin hart is known for being on set and in between takes he's working on another project emailing or facebooking or whatever he's doing but you have to be it's like you know uh, no you don't have to though you well you 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 have to be if you want to be successful right like, you know, I know that, you know, as great as roast battle is for me, I just can't sit there and go, okay, I've made it, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, this is your time right now. This it is, great. is, but you have to, like, always think two steps ahead, you know, because, uh, you know, it's just here today, gone tomorrow. I would love to work on a show with you. I mean, I've told you that before. The other night we were in the car. I'm telling you, there's, there's certain people that you go, oh, I want to work on a show with, and you just go after it. You just make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I somehow see this podcast morphing into a, a late night talk show. And like, I'm sure people go, well, there doesn't really need to be another talk show on the air. But I think how I want to do it is interview not necessarily successful people right now, but interview people from the 80s, you know, interview people who maybe haven't, you know, uh, who aren't in the mainstream right now, like, you know, instead of interviewing Tom Hanks, let's interview Adrian's Mad from Bachelor Party. You know, because <laughs> I think that would be fucking funny. And then the house band wouldn't be some amazing jazz musician like, you know, the Tonight Show's always had, or, you know, David Letterman had Paul Schaefer. And that just, I mean, the, the late night with David Letterman band might be the greatest band ever assembled. Like, really? Ain't, Anton Fig on drums, who's like a legendary drummer, uh, Will Lee on guitar, Paul Schaefer on keyboards. I mean, they could play anything. Uh, but my late night band would be like an 80s metal band that hasn't had a hit in 30 years. Like Rat or Slayer? Uh, I would go more since I'm a glam guy. Like, I just think it would be fucking funny if, if Rat was my house band. <laughs> um, That's why I said Rat. Yeah. <laughs> But like I don't think with in Rat's case Warren D Martini, whose wife is heir to the Mars Candy uh, uh, family uh, or business, uh, he's not going to want to go show up at a studio for you know two hundred bucks, uh, you know. No? But I mean, I just think you know a, a talk show could work if it was different enough. Yeah, one hundred percent, and that's it. Standing out from the rest, right? And, and that's and, you know like uh, this podcast. I've always. That was the really the theme of this podcast was, yeah, I like interviewing my funny friends like you and 
Galern and uh, Jeff Richards and, and Whitney and Olivia and uh, <laughs> other people. But, you know, I was like, well, I want to interview the singer from Rat. And he was great. I want to interview Rowdy Roddy Piper, you know, dear friend. Uh, you know, I want to interview the drummer from Cinderella, who's now making more money scoring uh, the ABC show Night Shift. Or is it NBC? Oh, boy, his Fred's going to kill me. But the show Night Shift is a hit show. I think it's on NBC. I may have misspoken. But he makes more money doing that than he ever did touring in Cinderella. Isn't that amazing? I have a friend who uh, scored uh, CSI Miami. Right. I mean, all of those. And, I mean, a million other movies. And he was in a band in college that we used to go watch. He's just an amazing musician. Yeah, but he he makes more money... You know, it's like, I mean, Cinderella was pretty big for a while. You know, I mean, Darlings of MTV and, you know, uh, you know, you think, wow, he must really miss that lifestyle. But now he can literally work from his home and, yeah. and make, you know, double the money he ever made touring. Uh, a lot of them have a studio in the back of their house. Yeah. And they just literally do that. Well, that's the problem with Rat uh, is like you've got this guy who's obviously... Uh, Locked into the Mars bar candy fortune. Uh, what the hell does he want to go to, uh, you know, Poughkeepsie, New York to play the, you know, metal mush festival, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, that's the key for me is when I, uh, God willing, keep creating these shows is to also create the music for them. Um, so then you're getting paid twice on it. Oh my God. I mean, that's really, but you're a smart dude. Cause that's, you know, the big money's behind the scenes. Yeah, you know. well, I but I want to do both. And I think there's enough time to do both. Oh, yeah. You never, like, even though it's a young person's business, it's, you're never too old to make it, you know. Yeah, you might be too old to, like, you know, I'm 48. I'm not going to be uh, going out for the uh, fraternity movie as the, the dorm leader. But, you know, maybe I play the dean. I mean, there's always... Uh, there's always room. Honestly, there's always room for everything. Yeah. And if you're good at what you do, you'll make it. I, I mean, believe that. I use the example all the time, which it's so played out. Uh, Big Leslie. Leslie, SNL. Yeah. Dude, she, you un, you can't deny her on stage. She'll blow 99% of the comedians off stage. You know, when SNL came around, boom, she went in and smashed it. Yeah, I mean, uh, same thing with uh, Melissa Villasenor. I mean... What a little muffin of I wouldn't say she struggled, but, you know, she... Uh, you know, uh, she struggled, but then she book uh, started booking colleges, and then she didn't struggle. Yeah, I mean, but I don't even mean like, you know, I'm. I know she was auditioning for a lot of things. Oh, okay, and, okay. Uh, you know, we uh, we we worked on a pilot together that you know never aired, and and you think, wow, what a bummer. You know, you spend so much time on a project that never even fucking aired, and then you know, three years later, she's on uh, you know SNL. Jennifer Aniston did nine pilots, I think. Before yeah. she got it. Nine. I think the Donald Sutherland is yeah. supposed to be like, he's put up like Wayne Gretzky type numbers of he's, someone told me he has the most unaired pilots of any actor ever, like 30 or 40. Really? But you know, he's been around for 40 years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've probably done three or four. Uh, That's amazing. That, you know, never aired. And, uh. You know, it's just, uh, you never know what makes it in this business. It's like... I do. Determination and not stopping and being positive. Wake up every day and giving it everything. But yeah. I mean, like, you never know... That's what know I tell myself. What, uh, you know, like, I wouldn't have... I would have said people were crazy that Roast Battle got to be as big as it did. 
It's amazing. I mean, it, I mean, that's like the ultimate example because I'm so familiar with it. But that show literally started in the belly room with four fucking people up there. Do you remember when it started? I do. I was in the room. Really? Yeah. When uh, who was it? Kenny Lyon and Josh Martin were going to get into a fight, and I think Moses had uh, just taken over the the open mic from uh, Stephanie Sambari. <laughs> Uh, and Moses, <laughs> Moses, I forget his exact words, but it was something like, you know, how fucking likable he is. Hey, you guys can't really fight, but why don't you rap or why don't you battle each other? And then uh, they did, and it was really super funny. Um, and then I think the next week uh, someone came up to Moses and was like, hey, can I battle, uh, you know, uh, Joe Smith? Yeah. And then it just literally each week got bigger and bigger and bigger. And you've been on the scene for a long time. You've been, you know... We're going to make this conversation a little local, so we might lose some people like, what the fuck are they talking about? But, you know, L.A. comedy shows come and go. Uh, you know, Dublin's was super hot. And then it kind of cooled off. Dublin's, Dublin's was-, was right on the Sunset Strip. It was a hot, hot place that you would have consistently, you know, uh, the Louis C.K. type. You know, Dane Cook. Dane uh, Cook, Chris Rock, Roseanne was coming. I mean, everybody was coming through. The Sam Tripoli. Yeah. When he was first blowing up. That's uh, one of my partners on our show. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, Partners on a TV show. Uh, I mean, I know you can't talk about it, but, you know, Sam's the best. But, you know, even Dublin's kind of, you know, tailed off toward the end. And uh, but Roast Battle is three years in. It's getting bigger. Yeah. You know, and it's I've never. Uh, the live around. version, even though there was a TV version, the live version is still just as hot. Well, the live versions, uh, you can't fit any more people in there. Uh, so and then they the- have a section that only celebrities can go in. Yeah. I mean, the TV version is, uh, you know, who knows what's coming uh, for that show, but it ain't done. I can tell you that much. Dude, I I hope it keeps going forever. And really, I hope it keeps going forever for Moses, Brian Moses. Well, I mean, uh, he's like, you know, this show is going to make him a star because like you said, he's like a really super likable dude and, uh, it's a great host. That's, you know, goes back to what we said seven times on the show today. Being yeah. likable. If Moses was a dick, uh, you know, Comedy Central, let's get Wayne Brady. Let's get, uh, you know, who's, who's the guy who's always, who's the guy on America's Got Talent? The, uh, the He's like a rapper. Uh, Nick Cannon. Right. Yeah. yeah what, let's get, let's make it Nick Cannon's roast battle. Yeah. But Moses is so likable and so good at what he does. Little fun fact, we've hooked up with the same girl. You and Nick Cannon? No, no, no. Me and Moses have hooked up with the same girl before, Whoa. and uh, we on the regular bring that up. I'll hashtag, and then uh, I mean, I have so many inside jokes with people. Like for you, with you, there was a while when I only said, "Well, well," because uh, we were doing a Tommy impression. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I have different uh, things. Luke Schwartz works at the comedy store. He just rips me a new ass every time I see him. Right. He destroys me. Uh, that's some of my favorite parts going to the grocery, uh, going to the store. Uh, Avery Pearson, who plays piano, and it's uh, you know he's great. Yep. Uh, he booked uh, a show, Masters of Sex, and now when I talk to him, he tells me I only have to talk to his people. <laughs> he booked one episode of Masters of Sex, and now I can't speak directly to him. Oh, Avery's the best. Yeah, man. I mean he's you know super talented. Oh, that's um, you know you you it's inspiring being at the store and and at the improv. Uh, you know, so many talented people. Like, you know, the comedy store any night. It could be wh- whoever on stage, Avery Pearson on keyboards, you know, uh, and, and just so many super talents. It's like, 
It's a jungle, but it's like being in a boxing gym with 50 hungry boxers. Heavyweights, 50 yeah. heavyweights. You can't help but get better. Yeah, especially now at the store. Like It's, it's like amazing. The lineups are like, some nights I'm the worst comic on the fucking lineup. And so it's just like, uh, but where can people, I could talk to you forever, dude, but, uh, you know, this is definitely a two-parter. What's coming up next? Okay, uh, so I host a show on the Velocity Channel. And how to what, what channel? Like I have Direct TV. Is that on Direct TV? Hold on, I'm gonna get it all to it. I'm getting okay. all to it. Uh, so you can find me on all platforms at Josh Nasser, J O S H N A S A R, like NASCAR. Uh, Velocity Channel is on part of the Discovery Channel platform. So whatever your Discovery Channel is on, it's gonna be under there. So uh, Velocity Channel, um, and then uh, I do a lot of social media nonsense, but literally if you just Google my name, I, uh, I've went through my, uh, all of my, my keywords on the interweb, so anytime you Google my name, it comes up in a certain order, and everything that I'm doing currently will come up first. So on Twitter and Instagram, you are just simply at j-o-s-h-n-a-s-a-r the same thing with youtube with everything right. yes it's nasser but it almost could look like nasar if uh yeah people uh so you've got some shows uh, you got the, something with triple e coming up i have a lot of shows um and it's kind of nice to be able to quote unquote say i can't talk about it i don't even know if i can talk about it but i just know that like they say if if you've already won uh in court don't say anything else the right. judge already told you one so apparently they're going i don't know so I'm just going to shut up, and then once they come out, you'll see my name on there, hopefully, created by, you know, um, concept by, executive producer. So uh, that's all coming. So when I'll come back when they start hitting the air. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got a show like that right now that it's, like, super secret. I, you know, I can't. I know I can't talk about it because they told me not to. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's something good is coming for me uh, soon, and it's something that's good coming for you. And uh, Yeah, it's already going. I'm excited. So, you know, guys out there, guys and girls, you know, Josh is a good dude. He'll definitely be back. It's a long time. Uh, you know, we've always wanted to do this, but, you know, it's it's tough schedule. I did bother you a little bit. I'm sorry. But not at all. I all mean, right. I felt bad because I know I've canceled once or twice. I know you've canceled once or twice. Wow. You know, I know uh, the last one, it's like I had literally a last minute audition. Uh, so, uh, but it worked out and uh, we got to watch the first period of the Kings Nashville Predator game. And... Uh, you know, it's crazy that the uh, Predator's best player is black, uh, the great P.K. Subban. Um, who, it's all changing. It's great. Well, ironically, he looks just like Brian Moses. Uh, it's literally all changing. Everybody's mixing, and it's great. Yeah, it's it's a good time in the entertainment world. So uh, support Josh Nasser. And, uh, you know, I want to do, I always say this, like, I love what Joe Rogan does. Like, Joe exposes people he thinks should be exposed you know, and at one time Ari Shafir was unknown and now he's huge. Uh, Duncan Trussell, <laughs> Love uh, Duncan. you know, uh, Tony Hinchcliffe at one point, you know, was, you know, a door guy and Rogan liked him, had him on. Now he's doing his thing. And uh, so obviously I'm uh, not nearly the reach of Joe, but uh, that's what I try and do is have my funny friends on who I want to expose my limited fan base to. And, uh, well, you know, but it helps. I mean, every time Joe Rogan mentions my name on his podcast, I'll get like hundreds of new followers. Uh, if there's one person I could, uh, if people say one person to influence you most would be Joe Rogan. Yeah. I mean, cause he, he's, uh, he's amazing at everything. Everything's done. He has two shows in syndication. 
He's. I know we have to go. No, no. I mean, I uh, I personally find that about a little over. We're at an hour and a half right now. This is the point where I think people almost tune out. Yeah. Uh, so I try and. Uh, but uh, Joe's like, you know, a comics comic, and usually you say that about someone who is someone like me who's not known, but everyone loves me. But Joe is like a known comics comic. He's a comics comic. He had news radio, which was great. He had Fear Factor, which is great. Uh, UFC, which is great. He's got a podcast, which is great. Like his standup is great. Like they're all great. There's not one of those things that's not great. And he's completely humble and nice. Always uh, says hi. Yeah. I don't talk to him. I'm very fearful. I don't know why. He's cool. he's great with me. Like you know, he was the judge on the the Road to Roast Battle show, and he was uh, awesome. And uh, you know, it's hard for me because like whenever I see him, I want to talk about the UFC, but we never do because I know that you know I respect that. You know, he's at the comedy store. He didn't want to talk about UFC. Uh, you know, that's his life, or yeah. a big part of his life. He's just. Um, but like, he helps out a lot of comics, and uh, that's what I try and do. Uh, in a much, 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 much smaller uh, degree. But, uh, you know, he's, I mean, Joe's proof positive, but, you know, the podcast, I mean, I know Mark Maron's manager said, don't do a podcast. No, really? You're not going to make any money. Uh, and, you know, and I think Joe probably had the, I'm sure someone told him, ah, dude, podcast is, what's the point? And Maron's another dude. He'll talk to you. He's so nice. Well, he was a con. You know, he was a, you know, a door guy at the store. So he gets the struggle of, you know, like you're up there with all these famous comics and, you know, you're just some schlub, you know, unknown trying to make it. And so he gets, I think, the struggle like, you know, Rogan gets the struggle, you know, you know, he's been doing stand up for 20 plus years. I'm Jesus. sure at one point he was an unknown and, and maybe I don't know. Quick fun fact. Do you know that I, I believe this is true? Uh, one of the reasons he got so good, I think Jeff Scott, piano player at the comedy store, told me, I'm almost positive, he used to have to follow Pryor in the main room, like that's on the regular. I believe that's true. I'm not sure, but they go, that's why. Ask Jeff Scott. Like, he had to follow. Everybody started from something. Yeah. He was the guy who had to follow Pryor, and now he's the guy that you have to follow. Yeah, I mean, that's the, and that's like, you know, at the store now, you're always following someone good. Like it's the best thing ever. You know, even going on late night, you know, like we do, like, you know, you're following, you know, a lineup that literally was Rogan, Joey Diaz, Jezelnik, David Spade, Rob Schneider. And these are all murders in a row. Rick Ingram, uh, you know. Best special I've seen, by the way, Anthony Jezelnik, five stars. Oh, he's. Uh, I remember him coming up, too. Yeah, I, I remember doing open mics with him in Culver City. Uh, and I was petrified in Montreal. I'm like, God, I hope he's not a judge during one of my battles because he's going to rip me to shreds. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in Montreal, and when I saw him after Montreal, he uh, unbelievably nice to me. Like, uh, you know, he's kind of like... Uh, what we were talking about, people are the opposite of their onstage character. Like you would think he's got to be a dick because uh, he's so confident and like the um, opposite with Jason. Like he's like so nice, and uh, I know he's helped a few of my friends, you know, with gigs, and uh, he didn't. But have that's to. the thing too is that everybody who goes up, we all come down. It's just law of gravity. Oh yeah. So I mean, I'm just giving a, the most ridiculous example. Let's say my career goes bigger, and they're looking for somebody. And then I say, what about Anthony Jeselnik? Right? Let's just say a sitcom, something he would want to do. I'm just saying something silly. Because he's a nice dude, then I would go, oh, yeah, of course. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, uh, you you get so much through, uh, and it's little baby steps. Like, you know, probably the start of, not that I'm successful, but like the start of me starting to get stuff was Jeff Richards one night, probably 2008, late 2008, you know, he'd recognize me as kind of hanging out at the store and he's like, what's your deal, dude? And cause I was a nice guy to him and whatever. He's like, well, do you want to open up for Rob Schneider tonight? And uh, I'm like, yeah, sure. That's amazing. But like, he knows hundreds of comics. He could have asked literally, he knows hundreds of people. And just because I was nice to him and then, you know, me, him and Rob did the road for like two years straight. And you know, Rob, Rob was awesome. Cause he would pay for me and Jeff to fly out with him. You know, you know, when he's going to Florida or Kansas City, he just used the local opener. You don't yeah, need, you didn't and, need to do that. You know, a significant uh, amount of money by Rob was spent flying two comics to go with him, you know, and just because we were nice and we're easy to deal with. So the theme of this podcast is stop bellyaching about not yeah. getting shit, be nicer to people, and, you know, you'll get stuff, man. But you should be nice not to get stuff. But just to fucking be nice, man. It takes a lot more effort. Like for me in my Ed Hardy days, it took me so much effort to appear cool. And now I go, all right, I'm a dork. Whatever. Right. You want to pick on me? Okay. I don't care. Whatever. It doesn't matter. And you never know. And, and like I said, you should be nice just because it's the way to be in life. But, you know, uh, everyone starts out somewhere. You know, Mark Maron was a door guy. Uh, yeah, Louis C.K. I think worked the store. From really? What, from what I understand, I, I wow. certain people said he didn't. Certain people said he did. But like you know, look at all the comics who probably shit on Mark Maron when he was the door guy. Probably treated him like shit. And now look who's laughing. Uh, you yeah. know, I've seen it with roast battle. To be honest with you, really? Certain cocky uh, battlers, or you know, uh, you know, I was used instead of them. When they were probably better battlers than me, but it's like, really? well, Earl's good enough and he's also nice wow. and we know he'll, you know, be easy to work with. So if you can learn one thing from Josh, one thing from me, just be easy to work with, be nice and you'll work a lot. If not, even if you're fucking talented, there's a million of us out there. Do you label these podcasts? Just by the name. Maybe Josh you could Nash, say, uh, I think maybe this, this one's is episode 149. Don't be a dick. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't, uh, but just because the way it's set up right? for me to label, it's basically it's generic from the stand standpoint. I mean, I could label it after your name. I'll see uh, how many characters I can <laughs> squeeze in on SoundCloud. Well, thank you for true. having me on. Thank but dude, you, you, you work you. a lot. Like, thank you for coming. First of all, sorry it took so long, but I mean, dude, you know, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, you've got five shows. Uh, you know, in I that. was on singled out back in the day. 105 episodes of Singled Out. I had my own show on the two shows on ESPN. One was called American Muscle. I flew around the world interviewing bodybuilders and they wanted comic relief. One was Kiana Tom's Flex Appeal. Um, remember that? Is that on after Body by Gilles Hall? Yes, it was. Ah. Uh, that uh, countless, I did crowd warm up for seven years um, for every different network. Because every network. It goes all goes back to like, I'm sure in all these fucking. Uh, gigs you were getting uh, they knew higher profile people or yeah. whatever but it's like well josh is nice he's funny he'll do the job there won't be a headache let's use him that's what it was and you know it, it, it just uh yeah i mean i will try and title this episode don't be a dick <laughs> because you can just get so much out of this business 
if you are just fucking nice <laughs> and easy to work with and just it's the way it should be but don't do it to be greedy you know when i give clothes to the homeless or donate money to certain charities i don't do it so the next day someone does something nice for me do it because you know donate to saint jude's or the shriners commercial like when you see that kid with no arms jesus is that <laughs> that gets me going all the time like i didn't write one joke today but this kid's writing his name with his fucking feet so uh you know that they, and those bastards they they fucking exploit those kids you know i'm sitting here at home watching 80s metal videos and that commercial pops up and you know i donate because i'm like well jesus that kid's got like no leg and a third of a head. How did we get here into this? What happened? You just opened up. I hate those commercials <laughs> when they exploit those kids, man. Because, you know, I'd say donate, be nice to people because it's the right thing to do, not to get something out of it. So uh, I love you. Goodbye. Uh, Josh Nasser in the house. He'll be back for more, as Rat would say, and uh, Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, please uh, leave a review on iTunes. It does make it look better you know i always say this but joe rogan is like fifty thousand reviews on itunes i've got like 105 uh three of them were made by me uh, under various aliases so uh i love you guys uh coming up monday the legend of roast battle tony bartoloni coming back for more and uh you know i'm working on some things uh, william august the actor from uh, that great fox show i think around 2006 my big fat obnoxious boss is coming on. I always loved that fucking show. It was only around for one season and they didn't even show you the ending. Uh, so I'm excited to have him on because he kind of portrayed a Donald Trump like character. So I can't wait to have him on and uh, other great guests coming. Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow me on Facebook, just Earl Skakel, Twitter and Instagram at Earl Skakel, E-A-R-L-S-K-A-K-E-L, and follow Josh Nasser at Josh Nasser, J-O-S-H-N-A-S-A-R. See ya. Dump Trump. <laughs>